0: Ball's back to Fellaini, there's Mata, it's in! The final has
1: come to life when Mata has United level. It's Mata, and it's brilliant. When Mata scores for Manchester United, his second of the game, and that was perfection. Mata, oh, sensational goal. goal, sensational. When Mata's got two, and that is one of the great United
2: goals at Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. I am joined by Maisie. Sam, unfortunately, is not here today.
0: Yeah, unfortunate.
2: Big loss for us, but I think we'll get through it together. I Maisie, what be do you fine.
0: think? Uh, dream team.
2: <laughs> dream team. Uh, our guest today is Juan Mata.
0: Looking forward to it. I really am. I think he is the second or first or second signing post Sir Alex, mm-hmm. he's worked with, with all the managers, so I'm really looking forward to to um, to getting his his thoughts and his um, his stories behind all that. So, yeah, really. He always comes
2: across such obviously on the pitch. We know he's an intelligent player, but you know, off the pitch, he really mm-hmm. comes across that way too. And I think he could be a real leader in that dressing room. Does he come across that way to you? He
0: does, he does, and I think with so many young kids as well that have just come into the team this this season, he's sort of like the father figure. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that. He'll have been in that position as well, when he was at Real Madrid, and um, and I just think, you know, the stories he'll have, you know, he's won everything. I think the only thing he hasn't won is a Premier League, but yeah, and there's still yeah. time for that. I, absolutely. absolutely, maybe not this season, but certainly next season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to it. World Cup winner, wow! Don't don't come much better than that.
2: And are you looking forward to the tapas? Because of
0: course,
2: we'll be in Juan's yeah. restaurant. Oh
0: well, of course, yeah. Do you like a bit of tapas? Oh, I love, I love tapas. Patatas bravas?
2: <laughs> Patatas bravas.
0: Yes, I like a little bit of that. Uh, those things that you like. A little little croquettes. Oh, yeah, the cheese and ham. They're absolutely fantastic. See what else is available.
2: Good food and good chat. That's what we're good looking food, forward to. Good food, good
0: drink and a good chat.
2: I am delighted to say we are joined by Juan Mata and I'll let you introduce your restaurant.
1: Thank you very much for the welcome. We are in Tapeo & Wine at the heart of Manchester, I will say in Dinsgate, a Spanish restaurant, of course, and owned by my dad, a place that I like to come and enjoy the food and the company. I bring here some teammates and friends and it's a, it's a nice place for everyone that wants to come.
2: Very nice indeed. And it's nice for you to have that little part of your community in the city centre too?
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, it was very important for my dad. Yep. It was his idea and he's a curious and busy man, so he always wants to do some projects and he found this place, which I think is a very good location and he likes to eat his food. (laughs) That's why he did a (laughs) Spanish restaurant and we are very happy with the welcome that uh, Manchester has given to the restaurant and with all the people that come here because there's a lot of, of course, football-related people, Mm -hmm. uh, fans and players and managers, they come here, but... uh, yeah, I hope you are enjoying it.
2: We did. We enjoyed Maybe definitely enjoyed his food.
1: All right, all right. <laughs> leave that out.
2: <laughs> so you're here for the podcast. Firstly, do you listen to podcasts?
1: Yes, uh, yes, yes. I listen to podcasts, uh, especially last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that it became very trendy and a lot of people now, when they are on the train or before sleeping or when they are driving, long drives, they... they listen to podcasts and, uh, and it's nice and it's nice for you to do it and i've seen a few with eric which was a very, very good one yeah. and i think so many people is enjoying them yeah
2: mm-hmm. good well it's great to have you on it's an absolute pleasure and um, go back to the start then talk to us about growing up in your childhood
1: i was born in spain i was born in burgos uh, my sister and me were born in burgos uh, my dad was playing football professionally in that town so we were born there, but we were raised in Asturias, which is north of Spain. I have connection with Burgos because part of my dad's family is from there, but it was only a coincidence that he was playing at the time there. So we okay. were born. It's like if I uh, have a baby now, he will be born in Manchester. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were raised in Asturias, in the north coast of Spain, in the town of Oviedo. And all I can remember is me playing football, of course, because of my dad, he was a big influence and I used to go with him to his trainings and games, so I always had a ball in my mind and in my feet. And from then I started to play in some teams in Oviedo, Uh, a team called La Fresneda was my first team after second team was Juventud Estadio and I was around seven, eight years old. And then when I was 12, I joined Real Oviedo Academy, which Mm -hmm. at the time for me was like winning the Champions League because every kid in my town wanted to play for Oviedo. So, yeah, it was a happy childhood playing Mm -hmm. football, studying, making a very strong group of of friends. We are seven friends in my core group from the school since we were three or four until now. So, uh, Did any of them make football? No, one of them played handball. Okay. Professionally, he's two meters and very strong. Uh, no, we used how to. Play did you, how
0: did you find that growing up as a as a young kid? Because obviously, you're not very tall yourself. No. Was it tough?
1: No. No. No, it wasn't tough. It, was, uh, it was, was okay. Skillful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> we started playing football in, in the school, and I remember how my sister, which is two years older than me, she was two courses above me, and her friends used to call her to call me to play with them. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Maybe I'm doing something right here. But my, my height was never a problem, no? Oh. Specifically in football. I yeah. think if you play basketball, of course. Yeah. But in football, uh, I don't think it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm.
2: Obviously, you talked about your dad being a massive influence. I must mention Juan's dad is here. Um, yeah. You talked about him being a big influence. Do you, is that, I suppose, when you were a child, you thought, well, that's the only thing I'm going to be? Because that's the only thing you knew?
1: No. Um, it was my dream i wanted to be like him i wanted to be a professional football player that was my dream to play in in la liga in spain Uh, he's played for many years in second division but and he promoted twice to la liga but he never managed to play Mm -hmm. so my inner motivation was okay i want to do that i want to try to make my family proud and play in the first division in spain and that's it Uh, and of course uh, thankfully my career has overcome my expectations but just they, slightly. <laughs> they, they always uh, were very serious about, you know, it's very difficult to become a professional yeah. football player, so keep studying, keep being responsible off the pitch because you never know if you're going to make it. What would you have been, had you not been a footballer? Uh, probably would have studied mm-hmm. something like uh, psychology or uh, I like also marketing and advertising, maybe in regards to sports. Mm-hmm. Because you did go
2: on in later years to do sports science. Is yes, that I did
1: sports science and marketing. I didn't finish. Uh, I think I have three or four subjects remaining. Mm-hmm. But um, will you go back into that to finish? Or? You know, I don't think I'll I'll uh, actually use it, but I want to finish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: For yourself. Yeah, yeah.
1: If I've done that long, almost finishing. And I only have the last push. I I would like to finish it, but I have to be back in Madrid okay. to, you know, to connect more with the with the subjects and everything. But uh, yeah, I always loved football. But uh, if I wouldn't, if I if I wasn't a footballer, I probably would be living in Madrid with my friends. Yeah. There, one is a lawyer, one is a one is working in economics. The other one is an engineer. So probably will be doing something with them
2: so you had a very happy childhood and obviously football was the main thing for you when did it start to get really serious your footballing career Um, was it at 12 when you mentioned there
1: at 12 it was a big step but I would say at 15 at 15 I was playing for Real Oviedo I was living uh, with my family, uh, for the last 10 years, I was in the same school with my with my friends. But when I was 15, I, l- I left to Madrid. Uh, so that was the biggest step in my career at that point. I had to leave my family, my comfort zone. Yeah. How and far
2: away is that from where you were living?
1: Uh, it's, uh, I would say, four hours drive. It's not very far. But when you're 15 and you are moved away from your yes. family and your friends, is a bit of a change. Yes, a long way. And so, and Did w- you know anybody at Madrid at the time? I was joined by one teammate from Oviedo. So we both so went to Real Madrid at the same time because I, I went to Madrid to play for Real Madrid Academy. Yeah. So at the same time, we were both of them joining. And I remember the trip, which is four hours drive. And it was with my dad, his dad, him and me. And I was terrified. I was very, very afraid of not being good enough Mm -hmm. of not uh, knowing what was going to happen and new surroundings and everything but after the first day i realized that we were 30 or 40 guys in the same situation we were living in a school in a residence in a school so it felt like a camp uh, but for the whole year and it was very enjoyable and of course i missed my family and my friends but they used to come very often every weekend so it was it was good
0: I did, I did I was similar I, I had to leave where I live I'm North Manchester yeah. I had to go and live with a family in Blackburn yeah and it is it's so daunting cause how old? I was uh, just left school 16 16 16, 16 17 18 yeah. and turned pro and then yeah. I could drive them so yeah, yeah it's it a big is change at the it time it's huge yeah. Yeah. huge
2: so you moved to Real Madrid's youth setup. By the way, I have to ask who was your team when you were?
1: I used to be a big supporter of I am Real Oviedo, which is my yeah. my home team. So uh, I used to go to the games and and I used to suffer with the uh, relegations. <laughs> uh, we had a few in the last years, but now we are in second division fighting to promote to first division, so that's my team. Yeah. You
2: still support them now? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So you went to uh, the youth setup. What was that like? Obviously you said you were nervous, but how long did it take you to settle in?
1: One day, <laughs> one day, as soon as I met my new teammates, uh, which they were living in the same situation as me. We had uh, a very nice teacher taking care of us and he was responsible for our, you know, hours to mm-hmm. study after after the school and after training late at night. I remember we had a- What was, it, you, what was your, like, your schedule for the week? Yeah, it was, it was a busy so routine because we, we study in the morning we had lunch in the school. Mm-hmm. We had we studied a little bit after lunch. Then we traveled to train. It was a bit far at the time and it was a traffic in Madrid at those times. So it took one and a half hours to get to training. We trained at around eight in the evening. So we finished at nine thirty, something yeah. like that. We'll be yeah. back a to long day So we really? had yeah, we had dinner and then after dinner, I think it was at eleven fifteen or something like that, we had to had compulsory studying time like at 11? yeah until midnight <laughs> what? yeah so that's the way he we must have in been Spain. shattered <laughs> that's a pain um,
2: what was that in comparison to what uh, it was like for you
1: we, we, well we had
0: to be in at 9 o'clock in the morning we had have, I had three professionals so I'd clean his boots make sure his kit's out the towels and the balls are ready for training they come back in you have to clean the kit clean the bath clean the toilets I'd be away for
1: 2.30 yeah, I think that's yeah. tougher, by the way. <laughs> that's why you've won
2: the World Cup. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, it was nice, it was enjoyable. And at the time, you don't realise, no? Because you're playing football, you're yeah. studying, and everything goes very quick. And was that,
0: for that? that was for 12 months?
1: That was, that was for... 15 to 16, would it be? That was from 15 to 16, from 16 to 17, and from 17 to 18. So three yeah. years wow. in that school. And then when I finished uh, compulsory studies then you can choose what you do, mm-hmm. and I kept studying, but I was living, when I was 18 to 19, I was living in a flat in Madrid, oh, so right. life completely yeah, yeah, changed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're living you in free. a games <laughs> Yeah, and you were free, yeah.
2: And at that time at Real Madrid, obviously, so many big names mm. there at the time, was that quite daunting?
1: Yeah, it was incredible, I remember being in the training ground of Real Madrid, which at the time was being built, the new one. And uh, they had a pool area, like we have in Carrington. And there was a lift that came from the first dressing room to the lift. And we, from the academy, we came from a different way. And I remember being in the pool, waiting for the lift to come down. And as soon as we heard the lift coming, we were like, who's going to come? And and at the time when I was playing in the Real Madrid under 23s, in the first team, there was Beckham, uh, Zidane, Ronaldo, Figo, Raul, Casillas, Roberto Carlos, like one of the greatest teams oh. ever so that lift was our dream <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we were waiting there for them and they were very nice and we shared pool and conversations, it was very good Did you ever train with them? Yes, it, Yeah. I trained with them a few times, there was a trip that we did, a few of us from the under-23s, we went to the, a Champions League game in Kiev they were qualified already it was, yeah. the, it was the last game of the group so you normally bring kids so we went there um i didn't play but i was in the in the trip with them and i remember it was a long trip from madrid to kiev and i was seated by rud balnisteroy yeah which obviously we know very well and he was very nice to me he was giving me very good advices and you know being very responsible to me and in the opposite uh from the hotel to training the next day, when we were going to train, I was sitting just in front of Cassano. Antonio mm-hmm. Cassano, you remember that Italian mm-hmm. striker? And he was telling me the complete opposite of <laughs> the parties that he's done in Italy. And, the, and he's like, after 10 minutes of speaking to me, he said, what's your name? And I said, Mata. And he said, don't do anything that I've just told you to do, <laughs> and you will have a career. And so it was... It was a good lesson for me, yeah. both and and the whole experience. It was great
2: because you've been through that setup as a youth as well. Do you ever give advice to the young players at the Aon Training Complex when you see them?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I like to do. So, um, do they listen? Uh, if I tell them the Casano story, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they seem to listen. Yeah. There's, you know, we have a lot of young players in the in the squad yeah. and not only in our squad but coming through the ranks the under 23s they train a lot of times with us and they have nice guys in there so whenever they want to speak I'm, I'm here for them yeah. to tell them my experiences and my opinions about that big step that they are about to make and mm-hmm. it's you know it's a little margin what makes yeah. them come to the first team or not because the expectations and the responsibility when you play for a club like Manchester United in the first team, they're so so big. So, yeah, I'm here for them and I hope they know it. Yeah, that's good.
2: You talk about the big step. I suppose the next big step for you then was going to Valencia. How hard yeah. of a decision was that to make?
1: Yeah, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, I was 19 and then my contract was ending with with Real Madrid. And so I had a call from uh, Valencia's Spor- sports director, Amadeo Carboni, telling me that even though I only had been playing in second division, they wanted me for the first team, they wanted me to play in first division, and they believed in me. And so uh, it wasn't easy because living Real Madrid is never easy. It's like living yeah. in Manchester United yeah. or a big club like that. Uh, but at the time, my family and me, we thought it was the best uh, move that I could do. It's difficult for any academy player of a big mm. club, yeah. you know, to find the time and the patience to play in the first mm. team. So we we took that decision, and um, I went to Valencia. And to be honest, in the beginning, it wasn't easy. Uh, I remember I didn't play a lot in the first months. I was out of the squad, and I was the man left out. What of, do you think
0: that was? Just it was the change of scenery, change no, of. It,
1: it was just due to how competitive was yeah. the the squad. I had in my position I had players that they've been in Valencia for many years Vicente Gavilan, very nice left footed players and so I was only 19 Mm -hmm. I was the last one to arrive and I had to wait for my time and I played one game against Almeria that was my debut and my dream came through as I told you before but I I, supposedly I didn't play very good because I didn't play after for the next five (laughs) weeks and um, we changed manager Uh, Ronald Koeman arrived and since he arrived, to be honest, he was very supportive to me. He told me, listen, I'm seeing you in training. I think you can play, believe in yourself and play the way the same way you're training and you will be fine. And he put me in the team. I scored one goal in two games in a row and since then, to be honest, everything changed. And yeah. it was so he basically
2: a, it, was so instrumental in your career
0: then? He
1: was key. It's incredible. Just, uh, just it's just a fine margin. Yeah. You know? and you I mean, there's earlier. a manager that believes yeah. in you one day and then it keeps the faith in you. You do well yeah. and then your career can be changed for yeah. the good and the opposite. If you, yeah, of course. at the moment of your career you find a manager that doesn't believe in you, it can be difficult.
2: And your confidence obviously is sky high at that point.
1: It was, because I saw myself performing and, you know, reaching the level that I wanted to, to reach, scoring goals. And we won, at the end of that year, we won the Copa del Rey, like winning the FA Cup. And so, since that moment, I established myself as mm-hmm. a starter. And a few months after, I went to the national team and everything was going my direction. Uh, I had fantastic four years in, in Valencia, to be honest, uh, since my debut to... Winning the World Cup with Spain at the same time that I was playing in Valencia and uh, scoring assisting improving a lot and also becoming more mature as yeah. as a man you know because I was 19 and from 19 to 22 is also a very yeah, important very age years, for that yeah yeah, yeah.
2: coupled away in that time as well that was obviously a big achievement for you how delighted were you with that yeah
1: it was the first trophy that I that I won professionally Um, we were struggling sorry in La Liga we were in the middle of the table going down but that Copa del Rey saved our table Mm -hmm. uh, our uh, season and um, I scored in that final also with my head which is not very usual (laughs) Um, and so it was the first big game of my career playing the Copa del Rey final scoring winning and yeah living the dream Mm -hmm. Mm. so good so good. <laughs> and what age was it? Nineteen. That was Ni- your first trophy. Nineteen, yeah, nineteen.
0: And obviously, your, your career is totally littered with so many trophies. And
1: to be honest, from from nineteen until twenty four, something like that, everything was perfect. Yeah. Um, I went to the national team with twenty years old. <clears throat> we were winners of the World Cup with twenty two. Winners of the Europe Championship with 24.
0: Could you actually believe, think to yourself, when you, obviously, I
1: know when you look back, you you remember it all. But at the time. Do (laughs) you remember? I do remember, but at the time I I wasn't aware. You just take. Yeah, yeah. you just, you know, you play, keep winning, 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 and you you feel like, okay, this is normal. But after that, you realize it's not normal at all. all. I was very lucky to be in a great generation of players for the national Mm -hmm. team. Uh, it was a joy to go, a joy to go there. It was like a family, and also winning and playing good football and enjoying, and it was all perfect. But obviously, it didn't last forever, like everything in that's life. True. Yeah. So it, now it makes you appreciate it even more when you win, mm-hmm. because at the time when you're winning all the time, you feel like routinary. But that's not that's not the way. And uh, do you ever look back and watch the games? Actually, I I don't. No. No, sometimes when they put them on TV or, you know, they put big games or Champions League final or whatever, I watch them, but I don't think myself I ever did, I'm going to watch this game, I'm going to put it myself. No. Uh, Do you watch your own games (laughs) back now? Yes, we, like football has changed also and Mm -hmm. we have many people helping us. So we have a great group of analysis persons uh, and they send us our resume of the game, mm. when we touch the ball, when we defend and when we interfere with the, with the game. and That's good to. I, I like to see it because I think sometimes an image speaks more than a thousand yeah, yeah. words and it helps me. Yeah.
2: So when did the rumours about a move to England um, come about then?
1: Uh, it came on the summer of 2011, 2000 and the season 2011-2012. Did
0: you used to, uh, used to watch the Premier League?
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. used to watch the Premier League. They used to, they always used to put the Premier League games in Spain in the channel called Two uh, Channel. Yeah. It was big in Spain, national channel. And every Sunday, every Saturday, every Sunday they used to put the early kickoff mm-hmm. in England, which is very unusual for Spanish. Yeah. And so I used to watch it all the time. And I knew the Spanish players that had come to the Premier League before yeah. me and. And so I had a connection there, and and when I was in Valencia in 2011, I had renewed my contract for more years with with Valencia, and that was my aim, to stay Mm -hmm. there after four years and keep uh, trying to improve. Uh, But I had a chance to go to Chelsea uh, at the end of the transfer market, to be honest, in the last week, I believe, and my mind was already uh, thinking about staying. I, I, you know, there there have been some rumors before, but I said no, I don't want to go here or there. I'm not going to say the clubs. Liverpool. I want to. (laughs) I want to stay in Valencia. We know Liverpool was one of them. At that time. Yeah. Was it? uh, I don't remember. (laughs) I don't recall.
0: It's typical. That's typical of our research. Getting it wrong. (laughs) I
1: don't don't recall. But um, anyway, in the last week of the of the transfer, uh, I got a call from Chelsea. Valencia at that time was struggling with money also the mm-hmm. club and so Chelsea did a great offer and I also felt okay now yes it's, it's, yeah. it's a good time maybe for me to move was or, anybody at Chelsea that Fernando Torres yeah and he
0: had a big say in it did he or yes
1: he, we were close friends from the national team so yeah. he called me uh, he said come here you will love it you will be important you will love life in London mm-hmm. it opened my mind he said it makes you appreciate football in a different way. It also makes you develop as a player because you have to adapt to the English football. Yeah, yeah. So many positives and I took the chance and and I decided that I wanted to go and start a new chapter in my life. And and to be honest, unlike in Valencia, yeah. since the first day, it was quite positive because mm-hmm. in my debut... Did weekend, you find it
0: easy settling in? Into yeah, li- life in London? Very much. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think what happens on the pitch also helps. Yeah. So... In my first game i arrived on a thursday and i played on a sunday and i scored a goal straight away and from then your confidence grows Uh, i found a place in london where i was very happy with my life in london was great Uh, i was enjoying life and since the beginning everything clicked and and i felt that i made right decision
2: it was a big footballing decision but a big decision personally did you feel like you learned so much in that time then
1: so much Uh, first of all I realized that I wasn't as good in English as I thought I was (laughs) Uh, in Spain we study English in the school and I also took some lessons off school with practicing my English and I thought okay I know this is chair this is microphone this is table (laughs) I'm good with it but when I arrived to London, to Chelsea and to the dressing room where Terry was speaking with Lampard yeah. and I couldn't get the word, he was no. like, no, I need a, I need a teacher. So the, the, actually the club put lessons to me and Oriol Romeo, another yeah. Spanish teammate at the time. We had lessons with a great guy called Peter. He was a fantastic teacher. And we improved our grammar and everything. And also while you have to live in London and you have to speak with your yeah. teammates, you yeah. have to practice your English and i improved that and also i i discovered london i only been once before but playing football with valencia yeah. so you cannot see who did you come home. over
0: with did I, your father come over with you again i
1: came i think i came i came alone yeah. but my family came in the, in the beginning with me yeah. my parents my sister and and like this uh but yeah i was alone at the time
2: i suppose cuz you had that spanish contingency you probably weren't worried about being on your own because you always had yeah. someone familiar.
1: Yes, and I always had some friends, yeah. which they obviously called me every week to come not only to see me but to see London <laughs> and all these things. So my my place, lots of visitors, <laughs> yeah, visitors. So my place was like a hostel for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was actually it was quite easy because also on the pitch things were working for me, mm-hmm. and um, at the end of the that year also. Who's the manager then? It was Villas-Boas. Andres Villas-Boas was the one that signed me and, you know, he had his faith on me. Unfortunately, it didn't work very well for him. So in, I think, in February or something like that, uh, he was sacked. Di Matteo. Roberto Di Matteo was the assistant manager at the time and he took the Mm -hmm. charge of the team. And we ended up this season winning the Champions League and the FA Cup. So, yeah, another master in my football career to learn you know that when things are bad they can change like that yeah. for the good and the opposite and so yeah again we were winning i was enjoying and everything was great
0: mm. what was it like winning the fa cup cuz for us it's a, it's, a
1: it's a very special trophy yeah. to win yeah. yeah it was first of all it was very special to play in wembley mm-hmm. incredible stadium i love playing there uh and it was very special because it was my first trophy in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was before the Champions League. And so it was great. Um, we played against Liverpool. We won. That's always great. That's also a positive. <laughs> and A few days after, we, we were traveling to Munich to play Bayern Munich yeah. in their own stadium. And we managed to beat them. I don't know how, but we did on yeah. penalties. Uh, and so in the space of a week, it was probably one double. of the best weeks of, of my life.
0: How did you celebrate?
1: The FA Cup little, because we were going to yeah. focus on the Champions League. But the Champions League it was incredible. I mean, it was the first time that Chelsea had won the Champions League. And when we came back to London, I remember going in the parade, in the yeah. bus, uh, around Chelsea neighbourhood. And it was it was just unbelievable. And I was... You know, with Spain also, when we won the World Cup and the Euro Championship, we came back to Madrid and we did the same with the bus. It's just unbelievable. It's better than winning the trophy, you know, when you go for hours and hours through the city and there is no one single square meter empty. Mm. People in the the windows, people screaming at us and celebrating with us. That was the best thing. And I still have (laughs) goosebumps when I I speak about it. so yeah, I I would love to do that in here. I would love to do that in mm-hmm. in front of the yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Oh. David, yeah, can
2: you imagine? That yeah, David.
1: Really? David always tells me that when David de Gea, yeah. when he arrived here, I think they lost the Premier League for one point or very tight in the first season, but in the second season they won. Yeah. And he told me it was incredible going through here, yeah. everything. Painted I was on in the bus at the time. White it there, was yeah. crazy. Of course, because Johnny was there, and everything was red and it was just unbelievable and I'm counting the days to be able to do that because
2: that's the one the only real trophy you haven't got
1: you've got so, like, yeah. you've got
2: every trophy there
1: Yeah. just that one yes yes not even in La Liga or in the Premier League uh, but that's fine you know it's. I would love to win oh, it yeah, yeah. and of course I want to win it before I finish playing
2: how long will you give it? How many more uh, years do you try?
1: Maybe I play <laughs> until I'm 50, if needed. <laughs> but if I don't win it, it's alright also. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not really obsessed about it. It would be very nice to have won almost everything. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, you know, when people ask me if you have to choose one, which one will you? is the Premier League?
2: Which is, I'm sure this is a silly question, but sometimes we get a different answer. Which has been your favourite trophy? Obviously, the World Cup. I'm yeah, assuming, yeah. but it has I'm sure your first trophy was very special too, the Copa del Rey. Yeah, La
1: Copa del Rey was the first one, so it was very special. My family was in the stadium. It yeah. was in Atletico de Madrid the stadium against the Getafe. Uh, that was very special. But I have to say that, like winning the World Cup, is just uh, it's, it's difficult to explain. Also, for the first time in Spain's history, yeah. you know, we were almost there all the times, yeah. playing uh, playing good football, reaching quarterfinals, but never make it into semi-final or finals and that year in South Africa everything was like magic for us uh, so the moment that first the moment that Andres Iniesta scored in the ex- extra time I uh, was in the bench and we were running towards him I think I've never run as quick <laughs> as that sprint uh, in my life we arrived to the corner we were celebrating and all I can remember is we screaming and, and the rest was silence because it was where yeah, all the yeah. Holland Dutch fans uh-huh, were okay. sitting, so I remember we screaming and, uh, and silence around. So it was like wow. And then the second moment was when the referee whistled the the end of the game, Howard Webb, uh, and that was just uh, ecstasy. There was like screaming around. I kept one ball. I, I wanted to yeah. keep something, yeah, yeah. so I kept one ball in my shirt inside my shirt and which uh, is running around and feeling we've made history here mm-hmm. and also my family my friends were in the stands they were minority because more than half of the stadium was uh, orange for for holland but i always say that it was a day that lasted 36 hours not 24.
0: Mm. We no, won- sleep. <laughs> no sleep no sleep for whatever we
1: won the trophy we celebrated in the stadium we went to the plane, we flew back to Madrid, no sleeping in the plane, mm-hmm. even if you wanted, they yeah. put music, they wouldn't let you. We arrived to Madrid, parade, we visited the royal family and the president of the country, celebrating that night. So it was two days without any sleep. And after that, I think I was like for four or five days, just <laughs> um, realizing what we have done. But that's probably the, first, the, the best. Moment of my career in terms of trophies. Yeah. And where do you keep
0: all your medals?
1: (coughs) My mother has them. Yeah. I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at keeping memorabilia or shirts or. So what I do is, for example, I have in my house here in Manchester, I have a room where I have shirts. Yeah. But I send them to Spain, so Mm. my mother. She can (laughs) (laughs) organize. Yeah, yeah. So she has the World Cup and all the trophies, and because we got like miniatures, yeah. And the ball as well and the ball yeah. yeah, and some shirts important shirts she has them in, in their place yeah.
2: so um, just talking about your final year at uh, Chelsea obviously it's no secret you didn't play as much maybe as yeah. what you would have wanted to yeah. what was that like for you after being on a high for so long and being so successful for those years previously
1: it was a challenge it was another challenge in, in my career as I told you everything felt that it was going my way and felt perfect I was uh, voted Player of the year for two years in Chelsea and in the el- first 11 of the Premier League, um, the team of the year. And so suddenly I was not in the squad, I got injured, I didn't play as uh, many minutes as I was used to. Um, I didn't reach my best level also in terms mm-hmm. of confidence. And that was a, a challenge for tough. me, you know, it was tough. Because How do you
2: get through those
1: times? There's no other way than trying to keep believing in yourself, trying to train as hard as you can and take the opportunities that that you have. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good you have done. Football is like that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't take anything for granted. Uh, But I think that's a good uh, advice. Never take anything for granted because one day you're here, the next day you might be in a difficult position. So I tried to, to train hard. I tried to be ready. And I was ready and playing more or less for uh, five months until January. And then the opportunity to come to, to Manchester United arrived. Yeah.
2: You just seem to have such a calm temperament. I can't seem to see you losing your temper in that time or getting.
1: I'm sure no. you're angry within. I, but I, I was really frustrated and angry and sad at times, but I'm quite tough. I'm quite uh, but
2: calm too. Would you say you're
1: calm? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm 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 calm. I'm Would your family say that? <laughs> I'm de- I'm definitely calmer than my dad, <laughs> which is there. Sometimes I get frustrated on the pitch, yeah, also with enough. decisions and things that happen in the pitch, and you lose your temper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm I'm calm, and that probably helped me also yeah, through, through the through the tough moments. Uh, did you Did you speak to your dad about? about those, those yeah, months. yeah of course he was very supportive yeah. everyone was very supportive and just you know don't doubt yourself mm-hmm. you know uh, you have been playing for so well for so many years yeah. we all know what you are as a player and as a person don't let the situation bring you down mm. and that's all they can say but, yeah, but yeah. that's the reality and that's what I've what I tried to do at the time and I think it it worked because um, I kept going so when you got the call about United, yes, that was, that like was a yes. breath of fresh air. Yeah, that was that was a yes. Again, Did you know anything about it? From summer before. From the summer before, there was yeah. some interest. Uh, but it never got... Would, mo- would you have left then? No, because no. I didn't want... I, I wanted to see what the challenge was, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if... Uh, and it was also never a really really anything else than uh, interest yeah. so there was not an offer there was not No, no. so I couldn't also I didn't have the, the the real opportunity but as the season went on and the transfer market arrived of January then it was an offer Were you looking forward to and that? Yeah, yeah I had some other offers also um, but I wasn't going to leave either you know it was like I'm not one that wants to leave when the situation is tough mm-hmm. like It will happen after here, after sub-season. And I renewed my contract again. But um, coming back to that situation, when Manchester United called and they said, we're going to go for you, we're going to make an offer to Chelsea and we really want you to come. And I spoke uh, with them. Then it was, you know, I I really want to to go and I really want to feel what to be a Manchester United player is. Uh, I had suffered playing against Manchester United for some times with Chelsea <laughs> and and you know it's definitely one of the biggest clubs in the world at the moment we were struggling with first uh, season of David Moyes yeah. not doing great in the league but it doesn't matter I wanted to come I wanted to feel what is to be a player for this club and that's why I, I spoke with Chelsea also and I said listen there is this offer it's also good money you can sign another player I'm you know telling you so you have time to sign another player I'm not playing a lot and I want I want to take this opportunity and I think it's perfect for everyone and so it happened and
2: next thing you know you're on your helicopter
1: Uh, right yes (laughs) (laughs) what an entrance yes I thought I was gonna take a car and that's it and then from the club they told me no no we have prepared a helicopter for you Um, we want you to arrive in a helicopter where to to Carrington. Okay. So the day that everything was signed and I was going to come for the medical, it was very uh, windy, windy and rainy. <laughs> and I was supposed to take the helicopter in w- next to my house in London. There was like a helicopter place. But I couldn't. So I had to go outside London and take the helicopter to, to come. And I remember that trip coming with my parents over Birmingham, saying everything because it was low. Mm-hmm. And then at the point, I saw like a green uh, space with football pitches and we were going there it was red building <laughs> i said okay we're landing there we landed and david moyes was waiting for me and david De Gea was waiting for me as soon as i went in and it was very special to be honest to arrive in that way mm-hmm. um, had
2: you ever been in manchester apart from football
1: no no only playing only playing against City and, mm-hmm. and United, uh, but no, no, never before, no.
2: So just as you mentioned there, obviously the first season um, with David Moyes didn't exactly go to plan, um, he ultimately um, got let go. How did that feel for you, knowing that he was the manager that brought you there?
1: Bad. I always feel bad when a manager has to go, because yeah. it means that you're not doing uh, right, yeah. or you're not getting results, so it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's not a nice feeling. Um, so unfortunately, he had to go. Um, but what I remember the most about that season, of course, and I'm very thankful to him, he was in the last game. Ryan Giggs was our manager at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, we always do the lap of honor, let's yeah. say, or the, yeah. you know, you say thank you and goodbye and see you next season. I was very, very afraid of that because we were seventh in the league. It's a position that manchester united should never be mm-hmm. and so i was like we're gonna wave and they're gonna boo us back they're gonna insult and they're gonna be like they should feel yeah. you know because i understand that i came from spain and i know how things can All turn standard. difficult yeah. when the team is not performing and when you know i didn't want to look to the people just in case and <clears throat> i was embarrassed but at halfway I realised that they were clapping, they were singing, they were encouraging us, saying it doesn't matter, next season, next season. And I was like, this is incredible. This is unbelievable.
2: Just give me goosebumps.
1: Honestly, (laughs) it's unbelievable to have such fans behind you, you know. You're seventh in the league with Manchester United, having been winners Mm -hmm. the year before with Alex Ferguson. And they don't lose their patience and they say, keep going, it doesn't matter. It's like it got me a bit emotional because I didn't expect it
2: Is that something you hadn't experienced before that?
1: Never never because in Spain um, expectations are high Mm -hmm. and if a big club doesn't perform Mm -hmm. you know uh, (laughs) there is a lot of pressure on it I feel that in England fans understand more that you can lose and the defeat and they are patient and so that was the first example of I had many examples afterwards but the first, first example of how great and passionate and patient Man United fans are and it was unbelievable I remember we, when we finished I spoke with David and Rio Ferdinand I said this is unbelievable they said we knew this was going to happen because we know them Yeah. and that was it's just priceless yeah.
2: and of course in comes Louis van Hal. what were your first impressions
1: <laughs> he was scary quite a character he, he was scary <laughs> I tell you He was a very nice man very very nice man very genuine uh very sensible you wouldn't expect that Mm -hmm. but he was very sensible he could even get emotional and let some you know he was crying sometimes when he was speaking about important matters that he found you know with the right values or right football or something he got emotional but i remember the first meeting i had we all had with him he was in la We were doing a pre-season tour, and so the manager said, I want to meet you one by one in this room after dinner. I was like, okay, (laughs) everyone went, whatever, and my turn. So I arrived to the room, and it was him, Ryan Giggs, a bottle of Rioja, red wine, (laughs) and three glasses and he So you thinking
2: is this a test am I (laughs) supposed to yeah and and he
1: was like do you want to have (laughs) the drink and I said no no I'm fine he's (laughs) like okay I'll have it so he had the drink and he said tell me who you are I mean um, my name is Juan (laughs) I'm 26 I play football (laughs) no 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 no. tell me who you are as a man do you have family do you have what what do you find important in life Um, and then I, I remember he put like he had like um, paper where he had set up the tactics for the team on that year mm-hmm. and he was like uh, where do you think he will fit best here? and I was like here? he's like no <laughs> <laughs> here? <laughs> no <laughs> so he, <clears throat> we had we had uh, trained that pre-season with five it was five in the bag yeah. two one number ten and he put me in that number 10 and he was like, you're going to play here. And I was like, great. I didn't want to put it myself, but yeah, I think. Yeah. And so from that moment, you realize he can look scary in the face to face because also he goes too close to you right. and he's like, <laughs> but after that, he's very warm and, yeah. and, um, genuine man. And, and so Ryan Giggs was there like, <laughs> trying to hold his. Did you feel like lap. you
2: learned a lot from him though?
1: Yes, very much. Uh, He used to tell us, after games, try to go and sign for the fans. Don't get in your cars and leave. I received this morning a letter from a mother that thanks me personally because you, you and you, the other day went to see his kids somewhere. So he was more than a football manager, you know, with his tactics. He was a great human being. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot Mm -hmm. from him in that sense. Um, And we had some good moments also. Qualifying for Champions League and winning the FA Cup, yeah. which I felt it was very important for us and for him. And um, yeah. Um,
2: and you personally had some incredible moments under him as well.
1: Yes. Some yes. Great uh, goals. Yeah, I think. I mean, he was the manager when we played at Anfield, and mm-hmm. I scored that bicycle kick, and he was celebrating. Did
0: you Did you realize when you when you went to Anfield for the first time with United? Yeah. Yeah. About the yeah, yeah, how yeah, it's yeah. going to be. Did you speak to the lads or? Because so I suppose you, with Chelsea it'd be a little bit different. Yeah, it's, it's different. Hatred.
1: But um, you realize even in the training ground, hmm. if we if you play a Sunday against Liverpool from the Monday before, yeah. Mike the chef, everybody the girls <laughs> in the canteen, everyone is like, make sure Kath on, on Sunday, cut, yeah. <laughs> make Have sure on Sunday, yeah, rest well and make sure that you're ready for Sunday. So you realize it's a special game. Yeah, and. B- going as a manchester united player to anfield winning and scoring mm-hmm. that goal and two goals that day he was he was one of, of my best days as a as a football ple- definitely as a manchester united player yeah. but as a football player in general and the rivalry between both mm-hmm. i think is great it's great for english football It's great for both of us yeah. and it doesn't matter if you be at anfield or old trafford it's always special to score against them to to beat them and and so yeah he was our manager at that time and and we had we played for for many moments very good football under him also you know uh, and it was also sad to see him live uh, of course because of how he was as a man yeah too,
0: yeah did he say anything about that the, what, um,
1: as he was leaving? Because no, you just won the uh, FA Cup, like you said. It was after the FA Cup, right? Yeah. If I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, he had a speech in yeah. which he thanked us for winning the trophy and how happy he was. And I don't think he knew mm-hmm. that, that if he was going to continue or not. Yeah. So it wasn't the proper farewell. Yeah. Uh, but it was an emotional speech. And yeah, after that, of course, we... Exchange messages and mm. things, but uh, he was he was sad uh, to see him, especially because how how he was as as a man. Yeah, yeah.
2: And of course, next Jose Mourinho. Obviously, there's been loads of talk uh, over the years, the last few years, yeah. uh, between you and him, and people speculating. What did you actually feel at that time? Were you nervous?
1: No, I wasn't nervous. I was feeling like those six months at Chelsea where I stayed I was feeling let's go for it mm-hmm. you know let's go for it uh, I didn't play as much as I would will, will have liked to against him uh, with Within, him yeah. in Chelsea but you know football changes mm-hmm. and, and Chelsea's squad is different to United squad and
0: did he, you speak to each other about it? Or
1: no, nothing. No. So so many people were asking me, yeah, yeah. what did you say <laughs> in the beginning? I was like, actually, we spoke about Manchester and a game that Barcelona had played a few days ago and football. And from now on, it was a completely mm-hmm. normal and good yeah. relationship between yeah. us. Uh, the respect is mutual and we never had any personal problem. No. The situation was a football situation. He played in a certain way of course, yeah, yeah That maybe didn't suit perfectly my qualities as a player And that's it mm. but some, Sometimes it happens in football But my mentality was Okay, I'm going to try I'm going to try I'm going to My family was a bit scared uh, The fans were telling me What are you going to do? But I had clear in my mind That I'm going to stay And I'm going to prove That I can play much more Than what people think And I did And it's one of the things that I feel very proud in my career, yeah. to having made that decision, testing myself, yeah. and keep going and you know playing at, at the end. The, the Carabao Cup final, the Europa League final, and play, I'm feeling an important player in the squad, which that's how I felt before and how I felt with him.
2: You have to have strong mentality to do that though, do you think?
0: Amazing? I think so, yeah. yeah.
2: Very strong Probably mentality. Probably the
1: easiest decision will have been living. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And of then it's like, okay, maybe he's Yeah, but then you're running away, aren't you? I'm not like that. No, at no, all. that's what I can, So yeah. I, I just wanted to I believed in myself and probably that's been strong, yes, mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's the way I am and I wanted to be at the time. And yeah. so I after many months and you know, being second in the league and winning some trophies with him also, with the comu- with the community shield also.
2: Can I just ask you about the community shield, sorry? Yeah. Uh, you came on and came off
1: (laughs) yeah again a lot of uh, how do you say controversy yeah Yeah, uh, rumours and stuff yeah listen I went in the pitch I think we scored or something like that and then we had another change another substitution and I know Jose and he told me from the from the bench I'm going to take you off again because I want to put a taller guy because they're going to kick the ball long Mm. and uh, you know I know him because I know how he thinks Mm -hmm. and that was the thing and I said fine they probably do that so they probably this guy probably (laughs) can help more than me I don't know who came in my position I didn't feel humiliated at all you know some people were saying well I don't I think that
2: (sighs) it was just tactic for you
1: yeah, tactic, yeah. yeah of course I didn't like it and yeah. I was frustrated because I went in the pitch going, and 10 yeah, minutes no or whatever it was off, no. coming off again it happened with Everton not long ago against us that's right with Moise Keane the striker mm-hmm. I think yeah. he came in and yeah, yeah. on and off it happened, Dunk, it happened with Duncan Ferguson when it was Everton yeah, yeah. a few twice, weeks ago twice I think yeah. so but, but that was the thing people were saying oh the humiliation I didn't feel humiliated so I knew I know how he is yeah. I know that he will do anything to win and he believed at the time that they were going to kick it long. And yeah. even though I could help, <laughs> maybe someone could help more than me. And we won. And after that, as we could see, I kept playing and nothing happened. So yeah.
2: Did you, Do you find that frustrating that sometimes you can't just come out and say what you want to say? Sometimes it's easier to say nothing, isn't it, when people are saying, you know?
1: <laughs> That's, yeah, it's frustrating when, when you read or when my granddad called me I've heard this. I've heard that you're going to give your number eight to someone else and you have, you have agreed with the manager that you will play less. I said, how could I have agreed that? Don't believe that. But he calls me, you know, and that's the difficult thing, to keep your family and your friends calm. Yeah. If something is going to happen, I will call you first. Yeah. But don't worry. But it's very difficult when he lives in Spain and he watches TV and... But it's frustrating because you cannot yeah. stop everything that is being written. So you, yeah, you can every single day put a tweet saying this is fake, yeah. this is not true, this is... Yeah, you can't back. live your life like I prefer like that. to yeah. stay away and when it's needed, because it's something really serious, then you really yeah. say it.
2: So more trophies under uh, Jose. More to add to that cabinet that you have. It's a successful time yeah. um, in terms of trophies.
1: Yeah, we've won the Community Shield, we won Mm -hmm. the League Cup, Mm -hmm. and we won the Europa League final, which was very important because, thankfully, after winning that, we went through the Champions League. Otherwise, we wouldn't have played Champions League the following season. It was my second Europa League, also. Yeah. Um, And it was very special. I was injured, I came back. You know, it was nice to play from the beginning, to feel important in that final, and... He was uh, he was good in terms of trophies, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, but after that, again, changes, and I don't know how many managers I had I know, in my career. Say. <laughs> a lot.
2: Uh, and what do you? What's your um, opinion, or what was it when Oli first arrived? Had you heard much about him as a manager?
1: Of course, I heard much about him as a player. Yeah. About that goal. About yeah. the many goals. You probably goals. watched him yeah. on
2: Saturday mornings yes. on Channel Two. Yes, yes,
1: of course. <laughs> Um so we had a meeting between us the team and they said listen uh, it's probably that uh, Ole is going to come he's going to take care of the team until the end of the season and mm-hmm. he's coming from Molde in uh, Norway and you know as soon as he came in you could see the positivity you could see the man united dna you could see he knew everyone he felt like a proper united fan and yeah and he was happy and smiley and, you know, full of energy mm-hmm. and until today. So uh, we, we stay with him and I think that's a good sign mm-hmm. of things going okay.
2: And when you knew that he was coming, how did, you, did you think I'm going to play a lot? What were you thinking at that time?
1: I think in, in your career, every time that a new and you could say the same, I think, every time that a new manager comes, is a new challenge. Yeah. And everything that you have done, It doesn't count anymore. You have to start from zero. And we had a conversation. A glass of red wine? Uh, No, (laughs) this time. and Less scary this time. Uh, And not as personal also. But we spoke about my role, Mm -hmm. how he saw me as a player, and a normal conversation that you have with a new manager coming. Um, And that was all. And yeah, we have a good relationship Yeah,
2: and I'm sure he really relies on you, you're a senior player obviously at the club, you've been there for a long time, how does that feel to be in that role do you enjoy that?
1: Yeah, I will enjoy it more to be a 20 years old but <laughs> uh, I think it's good because it makes you see football in a different way with more perspective and of course with more experience mm-hmm. so um, I feel young honestly in my body and in my mind but obviously I've been playing in the club and in the English football and professionally for twelve, thirteen years now. And so that gives me experience to, you know, especially in difficult situations, uh behave in a certain way or give advice mm-hmm. to the youngers or something like that. And I think he values that also. Uh me as a player, what I can give on the pitch but also yeah. that I will try my best off the pitch for the new players that come like now Bruno and Odeon yeah. for the youngsters that come through the academy like Brandon, Chongi, Angel and Jimmy And um, Do they come to you for ex- advice as well? Or? It's not that they come as, as, straight no. but sometimes we're having conversations yeah. about things and I give my input and they listen and things like that
0: Does that take you back to any time in your career when you were a similar age you'd have the senior pros
1: yeah yeah. as you said
0: about Rude
1: yes when I was in Valencia after that Rude conversation I was in Valencia when I was 19 and I was seated in the dressing room next to David Villa yeah and he's from Asturias where I'm from also Mm -hmm. so he was like a big brother for me at Mm -hmm. the time he was taking care of me and I think you always need someone mm-hmm. to support you at specific times and important times in your life, especially when you're new to a you know, professional dressing room yeah. you come as a youngster from the academy, like Marco Trafford came mm-hmm. in the beginning he was shy and he was and now he, yeah. he's uh, more mature and um, I think it's important to have this balance in a team, where you have the you know, the energy and the enthusiasm of the youngers and the experience, of and self, knowledge of, yeah. of the experienced ones, not the old ones, yeah. the experienced one.
2: I must ask you about your book as well, which you've recently written. What was that like as an experience?
1: It was a very difficult experience. It was, I wouldn't recommend writing a book to you. <laughs> uh, if you've done it, I don't know. Uh, it took long. Um, you write many things that you're not sure you want to tell them that way and you change them and you're you're full of doubts yeah
2: especially when you write when you still play football most yeah. people write when they retire
1: which is easier right yeah, yeah so
2: sometimes you don't want to say something in case yeah. yeah
1: but this book was different it was more the idea behind the book was more of telling my experience exactly about what we've spoken yeah. before the process between being a kid with a dream mm-hmm. becoming Professional, and when you actually get into professionalism and you become a football player. And everything that went through in my life on and off the pitch, I try to explain in, in that book with experiences with managers, my personal life, my thoughts as a player in difficult moments, also in regards to media yeah. and interviews. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a first... Uh, side of what I've lived and uh, that was the idea behind the the book it was a difficult process to write it and be sure you know and, and the editor at the end said listen we're going to go tomorrow if you don't send oh, tomorrow no. the final <laughs> transcript uh, you you will be in trouble so i, I did you, stay up reading you need all someone night. <laughs> also you need someone to push you to, <laughs> to publish and uh, but i was happy i'm happy it's i think it speaks about myself, the way I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, people that have read it says that it's like speaking to me, which I think is a good That's compliment. Good. And so I'm I'm happy with it. And it's a different way of communicating with yeah. whoever mm-hmm. wants to read it.
0: We did a podcast with Berber. Yeah. Dimitar and he said about his his book. Yeah. He because he did it in Bulgarian. Yeah. But then he's translating it to English. And. But he wanted it to come yeah, over in the right way. Yeah because it's not lost
1: it's, in translation because kind of lost. yeah sometimes it doesn't mean the same what you want to say in English yeah. than in Spanish for yeah. example so you have to rewrite it and yeah
2: yeah but just one word might be wrong and, it takes and then a it it's different. not the way you yeah. want to no. say
1: it and things like that yeah the name is suddenly a footballer which is it's not suddenly in many ways because as I told you when I was three four I was dreaming already yeah but from one night to the uh, next day you get professional and that's what is quick and that's a big change that happened suddenly and that's why the the title
2: Did you come up with that yourself? Yeah
1: yeah. Did yeah. you have any more titles? <laughs> yeah For more books or for No, no, no
0: just for the same book did you have any ah. or did, was it just
1: Yeah, I wasn't very sure no. also about the title <laughs> so until the last day I was speaking with the editors uh, I'm not sure because it's, they were it's good Yeah just It's okay it. and it's yours so <laughs> let's if you want to speak now about a title it takes another month yeah. so no so yeah, so that was it.
2: Yeah, talk to us about Common Goal. Then obviously you started this uh, a few years ago. How's yeah. it going?
1: Yeah, it's and going, for anybody
2: who doesn't it's, understand it's, the concept, it's
1: going, yeah, it's going very well. Um, Common Goal is a movement that uh, we have created from us, from the players and the managers, and uh, almost everyone that is involved in professional football, um, with the aim of connecting professional football as the sport we know it with football as a social tool for change. Uh, I mean, football is incredible, the power that football has around the world. And we wanted to do something that connects both the sports, the platform that we have, the financial resources that football has with, with football changing lives and to do it in a consistent way, in a transparent way, in an efficient way. And we came up with the idea of the 1%. So each member of Common Goal pledged of our salaries to organizations that use football to to help mainly children around uh, many countries in the world and it has been very good since the beginning. It's now over two and a half years I started myself being the first member to join. Now we are over 140 and uh, growing and growing and having meaningful relationships and conversations with different parts of professional football.
0: How do you spread the word about it then with other players?
1: Just speaking to them and telling them what the idea is about. And To be honest, it's not easy when you play football and you know it to step aside and have the time to think about this is something nice that at least personally is giving me a deeper meaning Mm -hmm. of what being a football player is more than winning trophies or Mm -hmm. scoring a goal. I think this is something more important and sometimes it's difficult for us football players to, to, to do that and to think and say I'm going to involve myself in that because what I want to do is win on Wednesday and win mm-hmm. on Sunday and play yeah. and, and so I spread the word just doing this and we have a team in common goal yeah. which of course communicates with football players with agents and with whoever wants to know because the aim is to build the biggest football club in the world for good for football for good and we are on our way and it's been very nice the reception from fans from media and from everyone so I think it's a nice idea and I think it's it's easy for us because it doesn't take any time Mm -hmm. and it only takes 1% which it doesn't mean every one of us could live with 99% of what we have right and so that's the idea behind it would you ever get any
0: other sports involved
1: that's another another question yeah, yeah because we have been receiving calls from uh, other industries, not only sports, but mm-hmm. music also, and I think it's, it will be great. Because you know, awesome. our dream is to set it as a standard for football. Mm-hmm. Mm. So 1% of the profits that football generates goes directly to social causes. and I think that's achievable and that's something doable and, and that can help many people, that's mm-hmm. why we started all this. So Fantastic. you will
2: probably be involved in that after you hang up your yeah. bits. What, yeah. what else does the future hold for you? I have
1: no clue. <laughs>
2: do you think about it all the time? What will uh, I do when I
1: retire? Coaching? Some days yes, some days no. Have I'm you done b- your badges? No, not yet. No. So first I <laughs> yeah. have to. I've, I definitely want to be involved in common goal even after playing yeah. because I think that's something that will last forever. Uh, coaching... I don't know. No. I think it's I think it's a very demanding job. Uh your life depends on a result. If you win you're happy, if you don't win you're not mm-hmm. happy and you're so I I have to think about it. Um if you ask me one day I will tell you no nothing with football. I want to live life and travel yeah. and but after some time I think you feel the need of coming back to what you know best which mm-hmm. in my case is yeah. football because I've been playing since I was a kid. So Probably something in football, I don't know if coaching, I don't know if another position within the football world, uh, but I love football, I love watching football, yeah. I love watching players, I love playing football, so probably something with football, yes. Good. What? I don't know.
2: Anyone you can think of, Juan, that we should talk to, who would be good as a podcast guest?
1: <sighs> it's obvious that uh, I think Sir Alex Ferguson will be great. Also, it comes to my mind I'm not sure she will want because she's shy. But Kath, she works in reception yeah. for oh over, over 50 wow. years in the training round. That's a great she's show. not very keen on cameras though, but if you make it a yeah, cozy we, we tell conversation, her no cameras. <laughs> but I think anything. she will be great because she's got more stories than anyone else. Yeah. So, yeah. Kath, please
2: do it wow, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much I must just ask thank you, you: will you subscribe to our podcast yes well, you gave me
1: an idea maybe I do a podcast mm-hmm. after football with you guys so right, I can there you here. go great there we've never go. been interviewed no. like <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> thank you very thank much thank you so thank much you thanks
2: that was a fantastic podcast Maisie why are you whispering I don't know am I <laughs> I feel All like right. my microphone's far away <laughs> that was an incredible podcast incredible person
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, from um, growing up as a young kid, uh, following his dad in his dad's footsteps, getting to Real Madrid, having uh, worrying thoughts and stuff like that. But then, you know, the Real Madrid team he was, he was going into, I was looking to step into, you know, Beck's was there. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Bex, Rude, Ronaldo, unbelievable players. And, uh, you know, some of the stories he's got are are absolutely amazing they mm-hmm. really are
2: yeah I really really enjoyed that one and as I said to him in the podcast he just comes across so calm do you get that from him
0: yeah yeah and because I think, I think the way he's, he's been brought up in his life he has that steely determination as well to, yeah. Um, inner, to succeed strength, Yeah, strength yeah yeah you know the setbacks he's had he's always looked at it as a challenge and I think that, that gives him um, great credit um, to him and to his family I really really enjoyed it
2: and let's hope he does get that final trophy for his cabinet
0: fingers crossed against the <laughs> Premier League next year I
2: think he can keep going and going and going uh, that is all we have time for this week we will be back next week with another episode of course to so make sure you uh, are subscribed so you receive that as soon as it is available if you're new to the podcast then why not go back and listen to all the amazing episodes in our back catalogue if there's anyone you would like to hear from in future episodes Matt has suggested Kath What's
0: Kath would one? be fantastic yep. it really would but I think we always keep going back to the Sir Alex Mum
2: everybody's suggesting him yeah. but if there's anybody you at home would like to hear from why not get in touch unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk UTD Podcast at manunited.co.uk that address is in the show notes if you do need it and as always we would really appreciate if you could rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts see you next time bye for now